Hello, testing. One, two, three, testing. Hello. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sorted SF, the podcast about all the sketchy shit that's happened in San Francisco that made it what it is today. Um, thanks so much for joining me and listening. I'm happy to have you here for another episode of me chatting at you. <laughs> um, this week I did something. I mean, I didn't do anything. I just like got a subscription to classmates.com, which is, I feel like maybe one of the most old and boring things I've ever done. Like, yeah, but I got a subscription to classmates.com where they have like an archive of yearbooks from like across the country throughout time. So I spent a lot of time like finding my friends and my parents' yearbook photos. <laughs> um, and I found my great uncles. I couldn't find my great aunt or my grandfather, but I could find my great uncle's yearbook photos from Mission High. He graduated in 1931 from Mission High School. And so I found out, like, I just found this photo of him. I was just like, wow, I guess that kind of does look like my uncle. That's, that's him. Um, yeah, that was fun. Just kind of seeing how yearbooks have changed over the years and, like one of the yearbooks, I think it was at Mission, but they put on a school play and there were like four characters in the play. They were The King, Tidy, Chance, and Slut. Uh, so that's just, I don't know. They put on the play The Two Slatterns and a King by Edna St. Vincent Miller Millay. And yeah, that was either Mission High or Lincoln in like, I don't know, very previous decades. I also found in the Mission High yearbook from graduating class of like 1929 or whichever one it was, a senior quote from Ruth Weinberger. And I just like really, Ruth, man, I got to track you and your family down. I really loved her quote. It's, and if she will, she will. And if she won't, she won't. But perhaps she'll change her mind which I just think is a great, really weird senior quote. Um, but yeah, I'm going to attach some of these old-timey photos on the Instagram so you can see just how clean-cut everyone looks. Everyone just looks better, I think, I guess. I don't know. My great-uncle's yearbook quote was very much for someone who was an artist for his entire life. His quote is, a youth lighthearted and content, I wander through the world. So that's Uncle Bob. It looks like there's a new, like, earthy, earth planet. What's, what was that show called? Um, planet Earth. A new Planet Earth type show on Netflix. I'm excited to watch that one. Caught up on some 90 Day Fiance today. Bridgerton season two. It's much cheesier than I remember, Bridgerton, but... We'll keep watching it because we got to figure out what happens. Anyway, let's get started. For today's episode, we're headed to North Beach for the story of the Condor Club, Carol Dota, and her piano. My sources for this episode are, of course, Wikipedia and a really random blog called the styrusviewfinder.blogspot.com. 
For the uninformed, North Beach is next to what was formerly the Barbary Coast, which had its heyday in the time of the gold miners and the subsequent decades after that. Um, But once the 1906 earthquake kind of came and everything burned down, but not the hoteling building, uh, but once everything burned down, it never like returned to its former glory. Um, But North Beach traditionally has been the like Italian-American hub of the city. Growing up, it was the only place to get like good focaccia bread, obviously. Um, There's a school over there that sometimes we'd play at sports, Lesion. There's Koi Tower, um, which I think is North Beach. I don't know. Um, There was also this Thai restaurant that sold really cheap pitchers. And we went like when we were younger because they wouldn't cart us. Um, I think it's still open. Anywho, San Francisco has always been colorful. And one of the hallmarks of that is that San Francisco was home to the creation of America's very first topless bar in 1964. The club was a small bar on the corner of Columbus and Broadway for most of the 1900s. Um, Initially, it was known as the Pisco Bar, then sold and bought and named Pucci's House of Pisco. It was sold a couple more times and in 1958 purchased by Gino Del Pret. Gino teamed up with a guy named Pete Mattioli. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he teamed up with a guy named Pete Mattioli who promoted the club and it became the entertainment epicenter of North Beach and featured George and Teddy and the Condors. They were a super fun jazzy dance band consisting of two black guys, which was super progressive because the club like wasn't segregated, uh, which is great. So the club became the Condor Club after this duo that like played there all the time. Uh, fast forward a few years, and they hired a cocktail waitress named Carol Dota. And on June 19th, 1964, she made her debut as the first lady in America to legally topless dance. It was such a massive hit, obviously, that they blew up um, a cartoon image of her and, like, put it on the sign to the building. Um, I'll include a picture of that in the Instagram. Uh, But they put, like, little red lights on her nipples (laughs) that, like, you know, lit up at night. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. She had made it. With the success of Carol, the club briefly went bottomless. So the girls were fully nude, but that only lasted till 1969 because then at that point, bottomless nude dancing became illegal in places that served booze in the state of California. So let's meet our girl, Carol. Carol was born in Vallejo, but grew up in San Francisco. Her parents divorced when she was a baby, and at the age of 14, became a cocktail waitress, which is insane, but also, like, sad, because what 14-year-old should be cocktail waitressing? Like, I can't imagine working in bars as a 14-year-old literal child. I was a freshman in high school when I was 14. I didn't have the capacity to talk to boys my age, let alone, like... (laughs) gross creepy men who have no problem like trying to touch a child Ugh. um yeah i don't know some weird child labor laws then or maybe she like used a fake id i don't know but i hate that i hate that for her she was this like busty platinum blonde typical bombshell like classic 60s pinup girl type um she When she got older, she spent some time at the Art Institute of San Francisco while she did the waitressing. 
Um, but also like before she waitress, I don't know. Her timeline's a little fuzzy. So Carol was doing her thing and dancing at the Condor Club. And in 1964, the club's publicist, Big Davy Rosenberg, gave Dota a monokini, a topless swimsuit designed by Rudy Gernreich. And Rudy Gernreich was an Austrian-born American. How are you Austrian-born American? Whatever. Um, an Austrian-born American fashion designer whose avant-garde clothing designs are generally regarded as the most innovative and dynamic fashion of the 1960s. He purposefully used fashion design as a social statement to advance sexual freedom, producing clothes that followed the natural form of the female body, freeing them from the constraints of high fashion. So, it's 1964. Big Davy Rosenberg gives Carol one of Rudy's monokinis and decides that, hey, you're topless dancing now. And so I wonder how she felt about it. You know, like she she didn't necessarily decide this on her own. Her boss at the bar was just like, it'd be cool if you took your top off. Uh, and like how scary to be the first one in the country to do that. Maybe Maybe she was empowered by it. She was 26 at this time, so I assume she had some bodily autonomy. But, you know, if you've been, I don't know, ogled at since you're 14, you might have a little warped view of, like, consent. And I don't know. I don't want to speak for her. Regardless, you know, she did it. Um, and big surprise, it was a hit. Everyone loved her. And two months later, every other club in the area were also topless bars because obviously it was a great way to make money. She became a cultural icon of the 60s, not only in San Francisco, but across the country. Um, my favorite thing about it is that the 1964 Republican National Convention took place in San Francisco and like sold out the Condor Club because all the freaking members of the RNC like <laughs> wanted to go see her show. So I don't know, family values and whatnot. Um, she performed 12 shows nightly. And so the management just like turned and burned everyone who walked in the door, you know, like sit down, she's going to do her show, you're out of here, and we're getting another couple dozen guys in the door. So super lucrative. I can't imagine how much money they were making. In the middle of her success, Carol got a boob job, which I don't think was really common. I mean, I'm basing that off nothing, but I just don't feel like it was common. Um, her breasts became known as Dota's Twin 44s and the New Twin Peaks of San Francisco. <laughs> Uh, which is great, great name. One of the owners of the club's wife at this time was like interviewing a bunch of the girls who worked at the Condor Club. And like, I guess the general consensus among the girls was like, I'm going to do what I want with my body. So it was kind of like a protest of the upbringing and the stuffiness and the tradition of the 50s and post-war America kind of thing. Kind of um, the antithesis to the nuclear family and... That kind of life, I guess. Um, I love this so much, but there's a granite dome west of Tuolumne Meadows in Yosemite. And it's named Dota Dome after Carol. And like, I don't know, it's a dome. So maybe it's named after one of her boobs. Um, but it's like, it's a landmark named after a stripper in a national park. Like, that's pretty sick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. And so you might be thinking at this time... What's the piano I mentioned at the beginning of the story? Um, because I think I mentioned that. 
<laughs> so Carol loving her spot at the Condor Club, living life, doing her thing. And, you know, as all professionals do, Carol had a routine. And Carol began her began her dance routine like while being lowered from the ceiling on this giant piano connected like, you know, with cables and just go up and down. This was obviously like super flashy, especially for the time. And, you know, I can only imagine the men in the crowd watching this like hot woman be lowered while like dancing on top of a piano Um, could definitely get the crowd riled up. And, you know, obviously as a strip club, there's always security. There's always going to be like gross people trying to like get aggressive with dancers. So obviously there was a bouncer at the Condor Club. Um, This this uh, bouncer slash manager at the time was Jimmy Ferrazzo. Jimmy Ferrazzo, a.k.a. Jimmy the Beard, because he had, I guess, like a beard. <laughs> um, not much is known about Jimmy the Beard, but at this time he was about 40 years old and he was kind of known for being severe. And I, I think the general consensus was like, people don't love him. He's kind of an asshole. And anyway, Jimmy was dating one of the dancers So they work together, which is, you know, so convenient. Uh, This dancer, Teresa Hill, and Jimmy decided to get it on at work one night and got busy on top of Carol's piano. And in the midst of their business, Teresa and Jimmy accidentally, like, triggered the switch so that while they were canoodling, the piano started rising up into the air. Which, you know, they were so into it, they didn't notice, which is kind of sweet, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Jimmy, so they're, like, getting it on, and the piano is, you know, slowly moving up towards the ceiling. And at the last second, Jimmy, like, realizes what's going on and rolls off, because he's on top of Hill, rolls off her, and then is pinned to the ceiling. The hydraulic motors that are, like, pull, pulling the cables and stuff, like, they bring the piano all the way up, and... Jimmy is like preventing it with his body from like going all the way up. And so Jimmy actually dies from asphyxiation because of this, because the motors like don't stop trying to squish him against the ceiling because they like need to finish their job of raising the piano all the way up. And he suffocates and asphyxiates and dies. And Teresa only survived and wasn't crushed because Jimmy was so fat that he like left space between the wall and her. Like if he had been the same size as her, they both would have like crushed against the ceiling. But because he was like cushioning it, she like survived. Uh, They, I mean, obviously like what a traumatic thing for poor Teresa Hill. Um, When the club opened at 7 a.m., the janitor found Jimmy and Teresa. Teresa, you know, was obviously like traumatized because at that point she'd been stuck you know, inches from the ceiling next to her dead boyfriend who was still partially on top of her and, like, also in the air, which is weird. And by that time, the motors had, like, given out and exhausted. So they were just stuck there. The SFI department had to call, had to be called to remove them, which I just think is, I mean... What a traumatizing experience. I can't, I can't imagine that. That sucks. Because you're also like, you're naked. And then, oh, I don't know. You know, feel about it how you will. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, Teresa survived, obviously. She just had, like, minor bruises. But I don't know how you ever come back from that. Like, I don't know. So shortly after, so this is how much respect they had at this place. Shortly after the incident at the Condor Club, the bar began serving a special cocktail called Sex on the Piano to commemorate the incident. Tony Seymour, who I think was like a fellow bartender or something, later said, I had huge beef with Jimmy. Dude was not all that cool at all. I knew him well. Didn't cry when he died. Ain't going to cry now. So Jimmy was not missed, at least by some bar folks. Carol, on the other hand, lived another day. From the late 1960s through the late 1970s, uh, Carol was a spokesmodel for what is now the San Jose, California television station, KICU-TV, Channel 36. Filmed from the waist up and wearing clothes, which amplified her most prominent physical attributes, she became known for saying, you're watching The Perfect 36 in San Jose. In 1982, um, she was dancing again at the Condor Club three times a night. By this time, she was 45 and performed rock and roll, like blues and ragtime. Each act was the same. She'd wear a gold gown, traditional elbow-length gloves, and a diasporous, I can't say that word, diaphanous wraparound. Mm. Her clothing was removed until she only wore a G-string and this wraparound. On the final portion, she was attired in only the wraparound. Her small body looked slimmer without clothes, a perception that was emphasized by the dwarfing effect of her breasts. Um, she had a band at this time and was taking like dance lessons and voice lessons, but had no like actual plans to do anything with that. She was just kind of having fun. Um, she quit dancing in 1985. Her band was called The Lucky Stiffs. She... Yeah, so she retired, stripping in 1985, and then opened up a lingerie boutique, which is so fitting, called Carol Doda's Champagne and Lace Lingerie Boutique. I think it was on Union Street, but it has since closed. Um, she was still kind of active around the scene, just like as an old lady. As of 2009, she would just like go to the bar called Gino and Carlo, and it was owned Gino was one of the owners of the Condor Club. So, like, you know, they went way back. And I guess she owes, like, everything to Gino, um, which is, I guess, sweet. So she would, like, still go to his bar. Uh, but on November 29th, at the age of 78, Carol passed away from kidney failure failure after a long stint in the hospital. Um, she was never married, but she did have two children who she had little contact with. Her daughter, Donna Smith... Tarzan actually passed away before she did, but her son Tom Smith is somewhere out there. Yeah. And that is the story of Carol, her piano, and the death of Jimmy the Beard. Uh, kind of a, you know, obviously a tragic story, but and like just what a what a freak accident. And I don't want to like call it a comical way to die, because, you know, that's obviously horrible, but what a way. Oh, just trying to just trying to get yours. But that's always how it happens, right? Just flew too close to the sun. 
But all right. Thank you so much for listening. I love you and I will see you next week. Thank you.